From the southernmost point of Dorne to the lands of always winter, what is west of Westeros and the shadows in the east, this is Casterly Talk. A bit of a return. I'm Ken Napsok, and here we are for the 99th episode of Casterly Talk, but the 100th broadcast. If you're one of those keep score at home folks, but more importantly, we are back up and running. I want to thank everyone who has uh, been a loyal listener to Casterly Talk, even going back to the days when it was Daily Thrones. Uh, We have been through some transitions, and now this is the biggest transition yet for the show, and I'm just here to kind of bring it all back. I want to welcome myself back. That seems kind of weird. Seems like something Jamie Lannister Season 1 would do. Uh, But, uh, you know, it's it's good to be back. Uh, We are... A podcast first, but also we do have a YouTube channel that is new and building. You can uh, catch uh, episodes there if you'd like. But always, take us with you. Download the podcast. Rate and review. Subscribe, wherever it may be. And that's kind of where we start this journey as I kind of come back into the fold here. We'll explain a little bit about what we are and what we're doing. So this show, like I said, began on Anchor as a daily podcast called Daily Thrones. It wasn't even a podcast. It was like a little audio blog almost, but it kind of grew as Anchor grew. Uh, We were housed on Anchor for a long time, uh, which is a great place. I have nothing but good things to say about the fine folks at Anchor. Highly recommend it. But Casterly Talk was brought in under the Good People Association umbrella. That's the company I launched with Eric Bass, the Shinedown, Mark Riley, and Josh McCuga. And we uh, did that. One of the reasons we did that is I wanted to kind of maybe build out this separate YouTube channel under that uh, GPA banner. But also, uh, we were uh, looking to launch a podcast network, and uh, that was one of our goals for the company. And it took a little bit. And I got a little busy. Casually Talk was still going uh, a little bit on, on my own under the the, the old banner. And then uh, it, it finally happened. The fine folks at Blue Wire Podcast uh, uh, kind of showed up at our doorstep and said, hey, we'd like you to be part of what we do here. And uh, Blue Wire, a great company. They are primarily known and, and deal mostly with sports podcasts. So if you're a big sports fan, as I am, check out a lot of their stuff. A lot of great regional shows, bigger shows, big talent coming on board. But they signed us because they're trying to expand and grow. And and comedy and pop culture is definitely a place they're interested in doing that. So we're one of the first through the gate, so to speak. Like a bunch of white walkers attacking hard home with some whites behind them. Or maybe in front of them. Or over them as they fall down close. Uh, We are uh, are, uh, first through the gate. Maybe it's more like, I should say, more like uh, Thoris Amir with his flaming sword into uh, Pike. Maybe that's the example I was thinking of. But we are uh, part of the feed, a Good People, uh, Good, Pe- Good People Association podcast feed, and then the afternoons with Josh Cannon. Amanda has its own feed under Blue Wire, and now Casterly Talk does as well. And contract negotiations, things happen, and then we finally get it going. And then we had to, uh, you know, transfer the, the the podcast. You had to redirect it, which can kind of uh, uh, take a bit. And then this is—I'm giving you too much information. You don't need this, but I'm telling you anyway. I had to re-upload every episode of Casterly Talk, convert it to a different format onto uh, Megaphone, where the podcast is now housed. So, took a while. All that to say, that's what happened. It took a while. It took a while, but we're back up and running. It's just me here today, but as you know, if you listen to the show, I, I, I don't like to do these alone uh, often. I, I can chat with myself because I feel as though I'm chatting all directly uh, with you out there. But a lot of the names you know and love, the Rachel Cushings, the Lawn Harrises, Andres Cabrera, Thomas Risling, uh, previous guests, uh, Michelle Boyd, Alden Diaz. A lot of people are going to be coming on here as we get this back up and running. And that's who we are. We are here to celebrate the world of Ice and Fire, the Song of Ice and Fire, Game of Thrones, shows, spin-offs, books, history books, maps. We're here to talk about this world. And that's for those who might be joining now or maybe rediscovering the podcast or coming back to it. I just want to make that clear as I kind of give an impromptu mission statement here. This isn't just about a TV show that I like. That's where it started for me. Our entry points into this world are different. Some it was the books back in the 90s. Some it was the books along the way. Some, for me, Game of Thrones, the show on HBO that then turned me into a big fan of the Song of Ice of Fire of the entire world and the show. This isn't just about the show. 
uh, dominates, obviously. This isn't just about the show's forthcoming. It is about our appreciation and love of this world that George R. R. Martin created and that has been expanded and continued to be expanded and is going to be expanded upon more to something we'll talk about here today. We are in the middle of a Game of Thrones rewatch. When this all kind of went down, I had to press pause on that rewatch. We are, we are the 98th episode of Casterly Talk was uh, Valor Harris. It was, uh, we're into season uh, three, episode one, which is one of my favorite episodes. Great setup episode. Great stuff for Jon Snow and his mission and his life going forward. A lot of things there. And then we had to press pause. So we're going to pick that up, but I, I was going to dive right back in with the rewatch, but I figured... Why not get ever, give everyone a chance to get a, maybe get up to speed? Because a lot of you, and I'm so honored that you do this, a lot of you like to watch along with me, and we break it down. So season three, episode two, which would be which is episode 22 of the show overall, Dark Wings, Dark Words, which was directed by Daniel Minihan and written by Vanessa Taylor. That's coming next week on the podcast. So if you want to get up and running on that, have some questions ahead of time, uh, I'll be pre-taping some of the rewatch episodes, but most of them will be done on a weekly basis. More about that on the end on how to you know, reach out and how to contact there. So that's going on. But the, the, the mission statement, what we do here is we're diving in. And like on that rewatch, that Game of Thrones rewatch, what we're doing, I'm very aware where the show ended up for some people. I'm very aware that the discourse around Game of Thrones, the HBO blockbuster show, uh, ended up in kind of a acrimonious, split, divisive space. I get that. I'm not here for those conversations. I am here to dive into the themes, to dive in what the show is trying to tell us, to try- dive in what is there in the story and analyzing that. And applying it to our lives and seeing the lessons learned and, and celebrating the great scenes, celebrating the dragon fire, celebrating the love, celebrating the nudity, celebrating the sex position. No, all right, maybe we don't celebrate that. Celebrating the characters in this world that we all fell into. I am not just a fan of the TV show. I'm a fan of what it is. Much like me in the Star Wars world. A lot of you might know me over there with Force Down and everything. It's, it's, it's not about, ah, I like Star Wars. It's just this way of life. And it's something that I'm unapologetic for. I love just celebrating, but not just being positive yippee skippy like a dolphin clapping for a dolphin do dolphins clap i don't know like a dolphin or or, or varus the merman clapping for another tree i am here to dive on in i'm here to sometimes question sometimes to wonder wonder if things fully worked and those are great questions to have and, and the guests and the other pundits on this channel are free to do that and we will do that but i'm not here for what i fear fear uh, feel and fear is sometimes just pointless punditry and gut reactions surface takes you don't have to like every episode. You don't have to like every season. You have to be prepared to dive on in with us and find what is there for us to enjoy in Game of Thrones. And that is what we're doing. And the rewatch will continue, season three, episode two, coming up here on the show. That'll be the 100th proper episode. So I figured a, a little pause was, uh, was apropos, a little pause to catch up and also to catch up on some news. One of the reasons I was so bummed that I kind of had to press pause on the podcast is we started getting a lot of great news from Game of Thrones, from the world of Ice and Fire. And man, it's exploding. So I think we'll do a little bit of a catch up today. I'm just by myself here. We're, we're, we're going to start getting ready for House of the Dragon I can't think of anything uh, that, I, that I'm more excited for right now other than maybe yeah, or maybe a new Star Wars movie. But even then, I'm, I'm excited for House of the Dragon. There's the stuff coming off, the set photos, and I try to avoid those leaks, but sometimes you can't. But just the official photos, some of the things, the casting, we're going to catch up with that. I'm so excited for the show. And I can't think of anyone more uh, apt to uh, take us through that than Rachel Cushing. She'll be in here. She's such a fan of the books. and She's such just... She's just a wealth of knowledge for the books and the characters and names and the meanings behind it all and what we can expect. Uh, we're going to uh, have her back on very soon, of course. And then, of course, uh, Andres Cabrera. I'll get Lon Harris back in here. The, the man who created the name, Casterly Talk, that uh, he generously uh, let me rebrand this podcast with that name. Uh, Thomas Risling, who used to do the Ruminations from the Realm uh, segment. Um, he'll be back with his insight as well if I, uh, if I can convince him to. Thomas Come on back. No, I'm kidding. He's ready to go. So uh, that's what's coming. Let's get into some of the news here. And I, I always want to shout out. This is uh, this podcast is is not just a one thing uh, to itself in, in, in an island of uh, an island in the bigger world of Game of Thrones. There's so many other great shows out there. So many wonderful YouTube channels. So many news sites dedicated to the Game of Thrones and the world of Ice and Fire. And I want you to celebrate them. And I, we're going to talk about them here. 
Always going to try to give credit when credit is due. Always going to put these shows uh, out there for you all to check if, if, if you don't know them. This is not just me. I'm not uh, competing against these channels. I'm here to grow uh, with you, grow the community of Casterly Talk and my specific way of looking at it. My word is never gospel. Uh, the, the guests and pundits on this show, their words are never gospel. It is our opinion. It is our interpretation. I just uh, love to dive on in and find what is there. So, uh, I want to do a shout out to two of the biggest news sources that are there constantly and are still going strong. Winneriscoming.net. Great, uh, great cast of characters over there like Dan Selke, Drew Maidman, who uh, gather and are putting together the news and, and making it a great podcast over there too. And they're just, they're putting good stuff out there. And I, and I always want to shout out WatchersOnTheWall.com. Uh, Check out WatchersOnTheWall.com. Great news source, too, as well. So if you're like me and got a little bit behind on the Game of Thrones news uh, in, in, in the last uh, few months, maybe even the last year, uh, don't worry. Head over there, and they got a roundup for you uh, as well. Great YouTube channels out there that I watch along with all of you. Alt-Shift-X comes to mind, and, and Alt-Shift-X has a channel. Hey, he didn't really love Game of Thrones Season 8, and I kind of disagreed with a lot of the takes on it, but that's okay. That's Okay. Uh, I just want everyone to engage on a um, on a uh, deeper level with what's going on out there in the world. So, all right. I think a lot of you longtime listeners are like, yeah, yeah, Ken, we get it. You love this stuff, and let's talk about it. <laughs> let's catch up on some of the news. House of Dragons cast. I just want to start there. We all know House of the Dragon is coming, so I, I sometimes can get a little lost. Even on the characters, and you know, never, never be afraid. This is a, this is a channel. This is a podcast that if you're over there, like, man, I'm not. What is that name? Or I can't remember that island. Or what country? What year does that happen? Don't worry about that stuff. Just keep enjoying, keep engaging with Game of Thrones, keep engaging with the Song of Ice and Fire. There's so many great wikis. A wiki of Ice and Fire comes to mind. Uh, there's so many things that resources you can check, books you can read. That information will, will find you if you need it. Don't ever worry about that here. Because I'm right now, even though I, I'm i looking right across in my studio here, I, George R. R. Martin's Fire and Blood is one of my favorite pieces of Game of Thrones writing. I love it. It is a history book. Some people found it boring. I just love every page of it. I just love soaking it up and love learning all the players and names. Some of them, you know, you hear uh, just because you're a fan. Nymeria comes to mind, and, and, you know, there's so many different uh, versions. Is it Nymeria the Great Warrior? Nymeria the Ship? Nymeria the Blade? Is it it a dragon? What is it? And don't be afraid to just be like, you know, I'm not sure. Let me look it up. Let me find on out, and let me just enjoy what's what's coming. And and because of that, and that spirit, I went to winterscoming.net, and Drew Maidman had a great story up about two weeks ago, just kind of saying, hey, here's the characters. Here's who's playing them, and here's what to expect. I don't want to take any of his words about what to expect within these characters. That's not the point today. This is not a House of the Dragon prep episode. This is just catching up as we move forward. I want to go through the cast as presented by Drew. So check out his story on winneriscoming.net if you want. And actually, please do it. Just give them a click and check them on out. Eve Best as Princess Rhaenys Valarian. Uh, Valarian? Valarian? Yeah, Ra- Rachel's not here to correct me. Um this is uh, one of the uh, big characters coming forward. This is the queen that never was. Rhaenys is the eldest daughter of Prince Aemon Targaryen, the eldest son of King Jaehaerys. Uh, you got to know those lines, and it's going to get a little confusing. Got to get a little confusing. She's one of the key players because we know the Great Council of uh, Year 101 is going to be uh, what happens after uh, after the her son dies. Um Second son, Balon, uh, per Dre, uh, uh, Drew's notes to help uh, remind me. That leads, uh, that that kind of starts a lot of the uh, action going forward. So she is uh, going to be there as well. Uh, check out that character. This uh, picture going around, Steve uh, Tassant as Lord Corliss. Valaron is a very important character. Uh, Lord Corliss is uh, the sea, sea snake, a great character in Fire and Blood if you read that book. Uh, just really vibrant, pops on the screen. Uh, he is uh, going to be an older version of himself, right? He's traveled the world. He's seen it all. He's coming into the show here. Uh, that's going to be, and that's one of the pictures that's going around. Um, uh, great look, different look for the show. Uh, 
going to be a diverse look for the show, which I think is important for House of the Dragon going forward. Uh, and he was in Judge Dredd, Prince of Persia, among many things. A lot of uh, UK fans will be familiar with him. And of course, as always, a lot of UK actors are probably going to pop up in these shows. But a UK actor that a lot of us uh, Yanks know is, of course, uh, <laughs> Patty Considine. And he uh, is in one of my favorite movies, Hot Fuzz. He's going to be King Viserys first. Uh, Targaryen, Viserys the first. Uh, he is going to be uh, at the center of the show here, one of the centers of the show. Uh, so get to know him. Then we got uh, Fabian Frankel as Kristen Cole. Kristen Cole, uh, he and uh, Rhaenyra, did they love each other? Did they not love each other? They friends? They close? They covers? Their love affair or quotations around that are going to be pretty key to the show. So uh, as, as Drew writes in his article, we know from Fire and Blood that they were close. Yeah, but the text leaves the exact nature of that relationship ambiguous is what Drew writes. And that is uh, something I think Game of Thrones, the show, did so well. Take, took some of the words from the books, those beloved, vaunted, venerable books, and said, hey, here's some, uh, we can f- dig into that. We can work into that. Take the, even, whether it's relationships, whether it's kind of expanding on Loris and, and Renly comes to mind as one of the examples of that, or even just hard home itself and just going, what's this little blip of a thing? What can we turn it to on the show? Uh, this is one of those characters uh, that uh, will be interesting to see how they uh, develop and how key he'll be to the story. Hand of the King is uh, Reese uh, Ethan's as Otto Hightower. Oh, those Hightowers, key to this realm. Uh, House Hightower, not one of those uh, houses uh, prominent in uh, the HBO show, as we know, uh, because, uh, you know, they're they're from the past, and we're going to be diving into that as well. Um, there's uh, that's, that's probably one of the more, from Notting Hill, of course, a lot of people know Reese. Uh, that's probably, to me, the most recognizable actor going in, but I could be wrong. But again, this is one Yanks uh, opinion. Olivia Cook is uh, kind of the de facto star of the show in a lot of ways. She's out there right now in front of a lot of the press. She's Allison Hightower. Uh, this is a key, key player in this story. Uh, I love that Drew writes, uh, think of Allison as an even more mature and successful virgin, a virgin, but not a virgin, of Marjorie Tyrell. I saw Marjorie's name pop up and I was like, oh, that's a Vestal Virgin, Game of Thrones. Uh, so this, of course, uh, is uh, she's going to have a feud with uh, her stepdaughter, Rhaenyra, and that is going to lead to this Targaryen civil war, this dance of dragons that we're going to be diving into. Uh, she is uh, part of the, the Blacks versus the Greens, which will probably, I imagine, be on the show where she wore a green gown and uh, those that now wear the green support her and her son Aegon and their claim to the throne. Going to be very key. We've got a follow-up article on her. Emily Carey cast as a young Allison Hightower, which is uh, great to see. I'll bring in a little bit of, of flashbacks there. Uh, we got uh, Sonoya Mizuno. Get to know these names. Get to know these get names. She's going to be Masaria. Uh, you might know her from uh, Ex Machina. Uh, she will be uh, in the show as well. She's kind of uh, uh, a character that pops, uh, grows up uh, as a peasant out of King's Landing, and, and he uh, eventually finds herself in the company of Damon Targaryen. Going to be a different take there. Emma Darcy as Rhaenyra Targaryen. This is probably the other key character of the show. One of the other, dare I say, leads of the show. Going to be opposite of uh, Olivia Cook as uh, Alison Hightower. This is, of course, um, the other the other uh, person with the claim to the throne. And whenever you have a claim to the throne, it can get. Uh, it can get messy. It can get messy. Uh, many people dispute her claim um, uh, based on her gender, which would be interesting to see how the show deals with that. That's, I think, one of the, uh, not necessarily themes, but issues it can explore during this time by using a, a, a fantasy story from another world and another realm and another age and see how it applies to um, what we got going on now. And, of course, there'll be a, a younger version of her. Millie Alcock is going to play the young Rhaenyra Targaryen. we got the rogue prince Matt Smith as Daemon Targaryen. A lot of people, a lot of people know and love Matt Smith as the 11th Doctor on Doctor Who. He also recently was in The Crown. Uh, and a uh, very distinct look. He is going to be the, our, our feared warrior, our big warrior hero, a dragon rider, going to be a uh, very important character there as well. Uh, a lot of people looking forward to the work 
that he is no doubt going to do. From there, it goes into kind of unconfirmed. Uh, John McMillan, seen on set, uh, seen some photos. And uh, uh, Graham McTavish, uh, known uh, by a lot of uh, folks for Outlander and The Hobbit, uh, as one of the uh, dwarfs uh, um, uh, following uh, Bilbo around there. Uh, he is, uh, my in the show, uh, looks like possibly an unknown role. So that's just a catch-up. Uh, again, I'm just kind of getting us around, uh, caught up on the news, the news roundup, and we'll start diving into those characters. We'll start looking at what they mean, what themes and issues they can help us explore and help the show kind of dive into, uh, uh, allow the show to dive into those themes. And it's just also speculation fun and get you caught up. Uh, even though I have read Fire and Blood and I've read this section a couple times, the little minute details are, are often lost on me. It's this show, this world does take a lot of investment if you want to know it on a deep level. Sometimes it's just repetition. And I think... I personally find myself in a very, I like where I am going into House of Dragon. I want to know, I want to get refreshed a little bit more. I want to know a little bit more. But if I learned anything from uh, Game of Thrones, once I got ahead of the show and read in, in the books, it changes the way you interact with the show and it can lead to more uh, disappointments and expectations. I, I, I think where I have a little bit, House of the Dragon is a little bit of an advantage over. Uh, Game of Thrones is a show where we were so tied to those books and so felt that those books were an exact roadmap. And I would argue that the show never intended that to be the case, that the show within the first 30 seconds was like, we're going to do our own thing with this wonderful world. It's going to look and sound and feel so similar and so familiar and at times be exactly the same. But really, overall, we're doing our own thing. We're telling our own story. House of the Dragon has to do that. That's how these adaptations and how these TV shows, and in many cases, uh, movies, have to work. They cannot be beholden to every word, every plot point, every character. So I think the show has a little bit of an advantage right now, where even myself right now, you see I'm kind of reading these names. I know these names. I've seen these names all through texts. I've talked about these names on podcasts. But I'm at a spot where I'm like, I don't know them intimately. I don't know every move they make in the books. And I'm going to be able to, I'm going to try to keep myself in that spot. I don't know where you guys are. Some people love to know it all and, 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 and take that research into the show. I want to have a, a push-pull kind of relationship with some of the books and, and, and text and research going in to, to know the characters enough, but not to myself as a fan, be tied to anything that I feel they have to do. I think the show is going to, expand on what's there because there's not a lot like we like we know but it's going to be able to do its own thing in a way that's that game of thrones never had that chance to do so i'm curious to see overall doesn't mean they can't make mistakes doesn't mean they can't do it wrong uh but i'm excited i'm also excited because you see this uh our greater article uh christina radish over at uh collider uh put together uh did a little interview that's actually forthcoming with olivia cook as we said, it's going to be Allison Hightower. And she said this uh, one little quote I want to read here. This is from Olivia Cook again. As told to Christina Radish. What's amazing about Game of Thrones, like we saw in the past series, is that one season, uh, is, that, is that one season, excuse me, you hate a character, and the next you absolutely love them and will go to the ends of the earth for them. You just don't know what you're going to get with these characters. They're so well written, such as the human condition. You can do some horrendous things. Then you can also do some wonderful things as well. It's very complex. It's not black and white at all. And she's talking about what she's going to be putting in the character. She's very cagey, as she should be. She said, I don't know if I can give anything, say anything without really giving it away. Um, but uh, she definitely has a, uh, a way she's playing it. And we've got some moral, complicated conflicts at the core uh, in this article here on uh, Collider. Gregory Lawrence putting that together uh, based off a uh, uh, Christina Radish uh, interview for the upcoming film Naked Singularity. So I'm excited about that. I wouldn't expect anything less for that in a new Game of Thrones show, right? That's just, that. that's kind of what we want. It's kind of what we love about this world. That's what's baked into it from George R. R. Martin. I was uh, watching a bit of a clip of him on YouTube as, uh, the other day, which is, you know, one of my hobbies. You know, just let me catch 10 minutes of a George R.R. R. Martin interview. They're pretty wild sometimes, and other times they're uh, not boring, but they're just George rattling off history facts. He's, he's a genius when it comes to that kind of stuff. But he was talking about his experience with 
the uh, uh, scouring of the Shire and uh, how he was affected in reading um, Fellowship of the Rings and Gandalf's death and how he actually was kind of bummed. I'm paraphrasing all here, but kind of bummed that uh, Gandalf came back and he likes Gandalf the Grey better than Gandalf the White. And you can see where that influenced him later on, though, you know, he brought characters back as well. And they were always kind of changed after as well. But that never left him, that shock of the death, the, the stakes being raised. And then uh, saying how he loved Peter Jackson's adaptations of the books. Uh, he just um, didn't love the idea that they cut out the, the scouring of the, of, of the shower, uh, si- shower, uh, uh, shire or shower. Uh, and it's hot in my studio here today. And uh, that kind of bummed him out, but he got it. He gets it as a movie, I think. But uh, he just likes that kind of uh, darkness, the, the the complicated tones. So you know that's baked into every character he's created. And that's why we're here, and that's why we love it. So hearing this uh, little uh, preview of an interview forthcoming from Olivia Cook and what she's doing to craft a layered Allison to Hightower, I'm so excited for that kind of stuff. I'm so excited that in this Dance of the Dragons, this Targaryen Civil War, just like if you read that big section from Fire and Blood, who you root for sometimes changes page by page. Who you think is right changes page by page. This is a story that will allow us to dive into those deeper themes, which is why I love looking at those uh, Game of Thrones in that kind of way and looking at those themes. If you uh, need to be convinced a little bit more, uh, that's understandable, right? Like I said, we, we can't we can't deny, and we always have to acknowledge that Game of Thrones, as it went on, the show, as I think any show, any movie series, will face. Expectations are created. Choices are made by the creators. Choices are made by the actors and how they play out the scenes. Editors make choices. Everyone's making choices, and the show can make choices that you don't like, that you don't love. Game of Thrones Season 8, man, big time, right? Uh, I always say I get it, but I just want people to engage with it on a different level. Personally, just so everyone knows, so they're clear with me, I think Game of Thrones Season 8 is one of my favorite seasons. I kind of, If you're going to rank seasons, to me, it's kind of like my second or third favorite season behind Season 1 and Season 2 or around those conversations. I love everything they did with it. Fast-paced, some things left off the table. Yeah, totally. I can totally get with that. I can totally have those conversations. But on my rewatch, and I've rewatched Game of Thrones now a few times, but on this rewatch where I'm hyper-focused on the themes and the lessons and what the story of the TV show is trying to tell us, I really do believe it was all there, and I do believe it was an honest and true conclusion to what they were trying to do on the show. Doesn't mean it's going to hit with everyone. Completely understand. But a lot of you out there, probably even watching now, probably even listening now, are like, yeah, got it, Ken, but I didn't like season eight. I didn't like season seven. I didn't even like season six, or at least a lot of parts of it. You know, and those that's, that's always going to be the case. It's always going to be the case. So maybe you, you want to uh, check in with someone. So looking at the story from two months ago, Dan uh, Selkie over on winnerscoming.net. Uh, I sat down with David J. Peterson, uh, who was uh, the Collanger who puts together, or is it Collinger? Collanger? See, I don't know. I don't put together languages. I'm just a dummy who likes the dragons. David J. Peterson created a lot of the languages. In fact, I would say, I think all the languages in Game of Thrones. Some that were used, some were not used. He was on a uh, episode of the podcast Game of Owns, so check them out. Don't know them, but I always like to shout out people who did these interviews and put them out in the world. Like I said, we're a community here. Uh, one for all. All for one? Something like that. I don't know. That's, I think it's a Star Trek thing. Ask Spock about it. Uh, he, uh, David J. Peterson, uh, was. Uh, he seems to be really involved with uh, this House of Dragons. Also was really involved with Blood Moon. And why Why would you not bring him in? He's he's amazing. I had the chance to talk to him back when I was working over on Screen Junkies and the show Watching Thrones. We brought him in for an episode. Interesting guy, interesting guy, creating all these languages, a lot going on in his head, and I, I do believe um, he's the type of guy that would, I think, say what he really feels, and he um, he was he's very excited, 
Very excited. And he says this. Again, this is from the podcast Game of Owns. Check out. Go to winnerscoming.net. It's about a two-month-old article put out by Dan Selke. And he said this quote, I hope the season eight naysayers, I just hope they give it a chance. I totally understand, though. I totally get the perspective of somebody who was like, ah, the show or this movie burned me, so I'm done with this franchise forever. I do actually understand that mentality. In this case, I really hope they give it a shot. Watch the first episode or two with an open mind. That's all I ask. And pay special attention to all the work I did, because that's going to be the best stuff on the show. <laughs> I'll say a lot of work since last year. Uh, that's, uh, that's interesting there. Uh, he also goes on to describe it, uh, saying show is vastly different in all the ways it's different. It's better for me. It was really nice knowing that everybody knows what exactly what's going on. There are no surprises. It's been better hands down. Just him talking about his experience with the show. Uh, like I said, I think he, I, I, I've met him. I sat down with him for a full hour interview. Uh, he is, uh, he's going to be pretty honest. I remember when I talked to him, he was kind of bummed. He had created, uh, the language, for not only the, the White Walkers that really wasn't used in the pilot episode but uh, and, and anything with them, but also um, the Children of the Forest. And that um, episode that we saw, the Children of the Forest, Leaf uh, creating uh, uh, the, the Night King, uh, they didn't speak, and, and he was kind of bummed. And he's not afraid to say it. So if, if you're out there going, man, I'm not sure about this. I'm not sure about what we got going on with this new show. I was burned. I didn't like it. Coffee cup on a table. Arg. I think heed the words. Listen to the words. Take the advice of David J. Peterson. Give this one a chance. And I'm already excited, man. I'm excited in a different way. It's it, it's absolutely a different way. Game of Thrones was so surprising for so many. Yeah, the book readers might have known what was coming. But even the book readers in the early going there. Let's not even worry about anything that the show went out outside of the books, which, I, again, I can within the first 30 seconds, the show was carving its own path. But I, I think season one, season two, I, th I think it really did surprise almost everyone. Other than maybe the people who finally got it right behind the scenes there, uh, that old reshot pilot and whatnot. But you know what I mean? Like, that show didn't necessarily come out of nowhere, but the fact that they pulled it off was a surprise. This is 2011 when this finally hits. It's crazy to think, right? Now we're waiting for this epic Lord of the Rings show, Wheel of Time, uh, all the shows that came after Game of Thrones. And and let's not forget the shows that, that came before that helped lay the groundwork for premium television on HBO and other places like that. But Game of Thrones did something pretty amazing and a big surprise. House of the Dragon, where it has an advantage of not being tied to a large collection of written words, it has a disadvantage in that uh, you can't help but think it's so super connected to the Game of Thrones that we all just finished watching. And it is... It is. And Miguel Sapochnik, one of the people behind it. It is going to be connected. And in fact, there's a lot of stories where, where they're shooting. They're shooting in some of the same locations. Make no mistake, it is that world. It is that universe. This isn't a multiverse yet, as far as we know. Again, how does Varys travel as a merman? You let me know. I'm convinced. Time warps, um, portals, maybe multiverses. I'm kidding. I don't think he's a merman. So that's where the show House of the Dragon definitely has a disadvantage. There's going to be some baggage going into it. Absolutely is. So I hope you do what David J. Bitterson is saying. I hope you do what I'm suggesting. Just see what this show does for you. Maybe it will reignite your love for this world. All right, I'm going to take a sip of water. We're going to catch up here and talk about some of the other things coming our way here in the world of Ice and Fire. All right, let's get back to it here. When you do a podcast by yourself, you kind of have to build in your own breaks. <laughs> and thank you for supporting and listening. Uh, yes, through Blue Wire, we have some um, ad breaks and, and ads at the beginning from the show. Um, and I know some people, uh, you know, don't like ads on shows. Uh, but you know what? We need to get the we need to get those uh, gold dragon coins to, to spend around the world. Reality of our business. All right, catching up with some of the animated shows. And and uh, as, as we uh, keep going here on our news roundup, The Hollywood Reporter, uh, and it's actually uh, um, James Hibbard who wrote the great book, uh, Fire Cannot Kill a Dragon. If you want some behind-the-scenes stuff, kind of a oral history of uh, the show that we all love, HBO's uh, Game of Thrones, go get James's book, 
fire cannot kill a dragon. A lot of interviews that you've heard before, a lot of stuff you haven't heard before, and a, a lot of great insight, including some of the producers and directors saying, hey, here's a spot where we made a mistake. Here's what we, why we did this. You might, might not like why we did this, but here is why. And that's all in the end of the day. I want from creators, and that's kind of all I want from the fans that might want to pick stuff apart. You might not like it, but here's why we did it. And you might not like it, but here's why they did it. You can react to that, not to your expectations that weren't met or your thoughts and theories or a story or a rumor you might have heard. I don't think I was... Of all the stuff going on in in season eight, that coffee cup incident, which was... Hilarious in its own right. Careless, definitely, but also not abnormal to uh, Hollywood productions and 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 uh, just productions overall. The fact that that was used against season eight, like oh, Dan and Dave didn't get that. It's just how this is how little they cared about season eight. They let this coffee come. That's when the discourse becomes disingenuous, and that's when I got got really grumpy. Um, so all that to say, I don't want to get down that path again. I don't want to get down that path again. All right. Check out James's book. He put out this story here a little bit ago, kind of keeping us up to date on uh, HBO Max, developing two more Game of Thrones animated shows. It was exclusive to the Hollywood Reporter at the time. Uh, one of the projects is, uh, a, a, a Imperial China is, is the show about Yiti, which is the Imperial China inspired land of, uh, the world of, uh, Westeros and Essos, uh, Planetos, right? There's uh, yeah, that's what George, George, that's what he says, right? I, I know what it is, but sometimes I, 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 I Sothoros with a Sothoros is, is, uh, was something that sometimes you just don't hear it. You say it wrong. A lot of, there's a lot of names to get wrong. In the world of ice and fire, um, so that is an animated show uh, in develop. They're they're looking at a couple of animated shows. In fact, this is where somewhere I can say I've I've even heard some stuff around town. Uh, so some of the other live uh, live action shows, there was going to be one in Flea Bottom, not going forward. Then you got this idea of um, uh, Ten Thousand Ships, which follows the Warrior Queen Nymeria. You got the idea of nine voyages, which would follow around the uh, uh, Corlos uh, Velaron, who it might be a younger version, I would say. And Steve Susant plays the uh, older version in, in House of the Dragon. Um, those are some of the ideas that were out there. Um, so this, th- where, and just keep up on it. And, and there's, you know, Blood Moon canceled. Uh, Dunkin' Egg is it happening? Is it not happening? It, it's, it's. Um, it's been interesting to kind of watch, but the 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 ten thousand ships is a really great idea, really interesting idea, and not too long ago, actually, we got an update on that potentially, uh, and I say potentially back in May. Uh, I'm reading a story here from Watchers on the Wall by David Rosenblatt, uh, kind of. Um, uh, uh, calling in some information from Deadline, the Deadline uh, uh, over there on their website said Amanda Siegel is the first announced writer to tackle the legendary Princess Nymeria and her 10,000 ships. Uh, not much more known beyond that. And that's the thing as well. So I, I could definitely, uh, having um, living and working out, out here in the Hollywood world, which is weird because not a lot of productions uh, done here, uh, especially in the world of Game of Thrones, right? HBO Max is absolutely trying to win this streaming war, right? They're, they're trying to gather IP, trying to go deep into what they they own through uh, Warner Brothers and that, the Harry Potters and the DCs and all those kind of things. Um, it's no different than Disney with Star Wars and Marvel. And um, now you got uh, we you know, Netflix and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, the, these companies that have access to IP and how can they, quite frankly, exploit it to make money? None of these are are, are are nonprofit businesses started out of the out of the goodness of people's hearts. They're trying to they're trying to get our money. They're trying to get our subscriptions. They're trying to get our clicks. It's just the way of it. You can look at that cynically, or you can look at it like, hey, if you're a fan of Game of Thrones, a fan of Song of Ice and Fire, like I am, and I know a lot of you watching and listening right now are, we're getting a chance to get this new GOT universe. And I am, I gotta say at the beginning when they when they even announced. The spinoff, and then they had the, the three or to five or whatever that were being worked on, and Blood Moon emerges as the, the prequel of choice. I was very excited. We talked about it here on the channel. Talked about it here on the podcast. Interesting stuff to dive into. I was a little, a little dubious, 
little bit of doubt on today. This is something that even I wanted. Is it a is it a cheap grab? Is it a cheap money grab? Is it is it uh, going to work out? I'm I'm from a generation that TV spinoffs, not every one of them's Frasier. <laughs> more uh, more bad spinoffs out there than uh, good ones, uh, but uh, there's also some great ones. Uh, I was around when I used to watch Mork and Mindy, a spinoff of Happy Days, on TV every week. So when I started hearing spinoffs and prequel series, the ideas of prequel series, prequels themselves, I'm a fan of Star Wars prequels, I don't mind going back to the beginning. I think it's always potentially interesting to go back to the beginning of some of these characters. Often it's done wrong, but sometimes it's done great. But Game of Thrones, uh, this world of Game of Thrones, uh, the, I always say the world of ice and fire, there's so much to mine. George R. R. Martin has just created this amazing world, as we all know. So that cynicism started to wear off. I was really excited about Blood Moon. It gets canceled. Well, we find out, will we ever find out the true reason? I don't know. House of the Dragon emerges. That one makes sense. Targaryens, Targaryens, Targaryens. And then all this news of animated shows and other spinoffs. I start. I got to tell you, cynicism started to return to me. Wasn't sure about this. Is this what we really need? And then I just kind of had this thought. And this is what I will put out to you guys as we start to wrap up the show today. I am truly a fan of this, sh of this show, of this world, of these characters in this series, and just the potential that's there, just like I am Star Wars. Star Wars isn't just a movie to me. A lot of you listening are Marvel fans, whether it be from growing up with the comics or becoming a fan through the MCU. doesn't matter to me. You're a fan of this world. You're a fan of that Marvel stuff. You're a fan of the cinematic universe or just the Marvel universe. You're a fan of it. I love those movies. I love the worlds. I, I don't dive into them as much as I do. But Star Wars, I do. And I am loving everything that's been out on Disney+. And I'm loving everything that's going to be coming on Disney+, Plus in the Star Wars world. From The Mandalorian, I'm looking forward to Obi-Wan Kenobi, The Acolyte, Andor, from those big shows. Definitely looking forward to new movies, but those big, I am so in on those shows. But I'm also excited about the little tiny things they're doing. Uh, the re-releases of some of the old animated shows, droids, Ewoks, the silly shows, the, the Ewok specials, doesn't matter, it's there. The uh, original Clone Wars series, uh, the, the, old, uh, the older ones, those are there. Uh, Lego Star Wars stuff, a new holiday special last year with Lego. We got a, a, a Halloween uh, Lego special forthcoming. I love it. Why? Because I'm a Star Wars fan. So no different than an MCU fan that's enjoying uh, Falcon Winter Soldier. Uh, you know, Scarlet Witch. Uh, we got uh, Loki got his own series and more on the way. And now you get the What If series, the adaptation of those comics or a version of those comics for the MCU in animated form. It's just a world to crawl, crawl around in. We love this stuff. We grew up with this stuff. If you like Transformers, you want that world. If you're like He-Man, you might want to, to crawl around, not just in the stories around He-Man, but new new stories. Uh, you might want a Skeletor origin story. You don't know. If you love these worlds, you want to crawl around with them. You don't want to leave them. I'm not holding on to HBO's Game of Thrones show like, oh, that was a great experience. I don't want to lose the love of it. It's with me. That world is with me. That's why we're doing a rewatch. You can go back into it. This wasn't just another TV show for me. This was this new world that I loved. I even appreciate more than the Lord of the Rings movies, which are three of my, Peter Jackson's original trilogy, Lord of the Rings, I guess you can refer to it as original trilogy. Uh, and I, I've grown to appreciate the Hobbit series a little bit more, but the Lord of the Rings movies are three of my favorite. They're life-changing. I go back to those movies when I'm down and out, depressed, or need some inspiration. But I don't go into those worlds as much as I do Star Wars and Game of Thrones. I just don't feel I need to. I appreciate those movies on a, on a different level. Game of Thrones, Song of Ice and Fire, World of Ice and Fire. These are these are. I want to stay. I want to spend time here. And HBO Max and Warner Brothers are trying to win some wars. They're trying to win these business wars. But I'm excited about this. And I know they're looking at other animated shows. And I even have heard some rumors about uh, uh, some of the the time frames being zeroed in on. Maybe not a thousand years in the past. But maybe closer, 100 years. House of Dragon obviously going to be, um, you know, uh, what, about a century or so before uh, a Game of Thrones. That a lot of the stuff could be uh, run alongside some of the stories we've already known. Be focused on certain characters. And that's kind of the thing they're looking on. They don't want it just to be, I think we would, I would love, the Blood Moon I was looking forward to. I'd love a series of The Long Night. I would love The Andals, The Children of the Forest. I love all those things. Go go to the uh, God's Eye and sign the, sign the peace deal there. man. I want to, I'd love to see it on the screen as an active series, not flashbacks. 
Uh, but it seems out right now they're going to try to build out uh, the Game of Thrones world, the GOT-verse, kind of uh, closer to the show that ignited a fandom. Um, that's just things I've been hearing around town. I, I just and I'm and I'm intrigued by that. I'm absolutely intrigued by that. Uh, we always try to give a book update here. Yeah, wins a winner. Yeah, you know that's your update. Yeah, it's on the way. <laughs> George is busy. George has his hands and all these. But that's why I'm excited about this uh, expanding GOT Song of Ice and Fire world. A show about the Golden Empire. Yt. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot there. And it can be its own story, its own world. I love a show about the uh, shy. I'd love to focus on specific characters. If we have a series about Kenobi, a character we know and love, but we're going to focus in on a certain part of his life. If we got a series on Loki and what's going on with him after events that we're familiar with as it spins off in other uh, events and other multiverses and verses... I think, I think we're excited for that now. Imagine that in the world of Game of Thrones. Imagine not just a show that's House of the Dragon or Robert's Rebellion, but imagine going, hey, here's six a limited-run series, a live-action show, six episodes of uh, The Turning of Harrenhal, or focusing in on the Lannisters as kids, Tyrion, Cersei, Jamie. I'm not just spitballing. That may be something you're interested in or not. I don't know. But imagine if you could. Let's just go do that. Let's go get something that's a, a little bit different in the animated world. But also maybe it's about a character you know and love or you thought you knew. And maybe you thought you loved them. We're going to find a little bit more. Maybe you didn't love them. And now you are going to find out more to make them love. I'm excited by that. I'm excited by this news. E.T., Nine Voyages, 10,000 Ships, House of the Dragon. I admittedly was dubious had doubt, cynicism. Ah, do we really want this? It could go wrong. It could really not work. But I, oddly enough, though I do think I don't know the whole story, I want to know the story, I'm bummed. I was really looking forward to the series that we came to know as Blood Moon. For so long, it was unnamed, right? But the fact that HBO said, no, not good enough. We don't feel something's there. We're going to back off on this. I am sorry for everyone involved. It sucks. It sucks when you put your heart and effort into something. Actually, to get the point of shooting the pilot. And beyond just the, hey, Dan and Dave got to reshoot their pilot. Different time. But the fact that HBO looked at it and said, not good enough, shows that they understand the importance of what they have, the value of what they have, and what our expectations are and our standards are. The fact that some of the early shots, promotional shots, and some of the early stories of uh, them shooting on sets that we're already familiar with, that makes me even more confident. They know that that world you love, we're not going to do something so it's going to be a different show, different feel, different characters, different people behind it. We've looked behind and we've seen the successes of Game of Thrones and we've seen the failures. And we've seen the things they may have done wrong, the missteps they may have taken or, or uh, the things we put in there that we shouldn't have now and, and, and times have changed and let's approach the show in a different way, including a, a more diverse cast already one of the big changes of the House of Dragon, right? Uh, I, I have just a lot of confidence that they understand... Why, why we're doing this? Why, why we're by doing this? Why, why we're here? Why we're invested? And uh, they want to meet those expectations. They want to really do it right. So oddly enough, that's what that news of Blood Moon did for me. Hey, I'm done talking about all this. I want to start wrapping up the show here with a bit of a call to action. Uh, you can uh, follow me on Twitter at Catnapsack. You can follow the GPA at Good People GPA. It uh, doesn't matter. Each one, include me in those uh, tweets, but use the hashtag CasterlyTalk if you have a question going forward. The old days on Anchor, we had a voice memo system. I'm going to maybe work on setting up a, uh, a, a uh, maybe a Google number or maybe if you're a member of the GPA, and go to the gpa.fun to become a member and you want to pop in on the Discord and leave uh, a voice memo in, uh, in the, in the CasterlyTalk section of our Discord server for GPA, Maybe I'll, you can do that and I can, I can pull it. If you have a question, just a thought, and more importantly, a thing to celebrate about an expanded Game of Thrones, A Song of Ice and Fire world. What's there to celebrate that? What are you excited about that? And also, again, the rewatch will continue diving into the themes and lessons of HBO's A Game of Thrones, Season 3, Episode 2, Dark Wings, Dark Words, coming your way 
Right now, probably just be me doing it, but pretty soon some other guests, some other pundits joining the show. If you have a question about that episode, a thought about that episode, get ahead of it. Reach out, use that hashtag, CasterlyTalk, and let me know. Fun to just catch up with all of you. Fun to just sit here and roll around the news, stumble over some of the names, get back up to speed. I've been out of practice. I've, I've been trying here. On the, on the podcast version, you, you won't see this. On the, on the YouTube version, I uh, picked up this book, The Photography of Game of Thrones. Shout out to the fine folks at Inside Editions. I, I did buy the book. Uh, written by Helen Sloan uh, with uh, Michael Kogi. Um, this is an amazing nearly 500-page book of the photography of the show. Uh, Behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, sets, uh, shots from scenes you love. Uh, I cannot recommend this big, giant book enough. And it kind of got me... Not back in the mood. I'm always in the mood to talk Game of Thrones, but back up to speed. You know what I mean? We're all a little bit out of practice. The show we know and love is in our rearview mirror. Even if we watch it, rewatch it, it's still in our rearview mirror. Uh, the the next book, it's still coming out. And right now we just have stories, rumors of stories, rumors of news, rumors of shows to come, and one show on the way. We have to all get back up to speed, and this is the place to do it. Hang out, have fun, celebrate Game of Thrones and the world of ice and fire. So happy to be back up and running. Thanks for listening here in the GPA Podcast Network. Thanks for watching here on the YouTube channel. Subscribe. Uh, we're building this channel from scratch. We don't want it. We didn't want to just want to put this on the GPA channel. We wanted this to be hyper focused, and that you know, if you want to talk uh, Game of Thrones, Song of Ice and Fire, Cashly Talk is the YouTube channel to go. We'll put some uh, stuff up there on uh, the YouTube channel that uh, will be non-podcast related. And do, we're going to do this once a week here. The rewatch starts next next week, and, and that's going to be kind of what, what happens. But along the way, if news breaks, we'll do a special episode. So subscribe to the podcast to get ready for those two as well. That's it. Love hanging out with all of you. Seven blessings, friends. Seven blessings. <laughs>